Deuteronomy chapter 6 and went home this afternoon and I just was praying about whether or not to come back to this text or, or what the Lord's will would be, but it's amazing about the Bible. You just can't exhaust it, can you? Same chapter, same verse. You can look at it, read it, and God can just turn a light on and say, well, here's something you hadn't seen. And I'm not saying it's something you hadn't seen, but in my life, Lord, just show you, just show you something new. It's always fresh, isn't it? And I praise God for that. I praise God for the good service we've already had tonight. And I praise the Lord that through everything that, uh, that our country's faced this year, uh, that God has still allowed us to have church. Amen. And uh, that we're not just in survival mode. And what a blessing that is. And we're blessed beyond what a lot of churches are. And I don't say that uh, bragging. I'm just saying God's been good to us. And I thank Him for that. If you're able to stand, one verse I would like to read tonight. It's verse number 7. The Bible says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the peace of the Holy Spirit, that wonderful peace that God cannot even be explained, but it can be experienced. Lord, I pray that if there's one here tonight that doesn't know you, that doesn't have that peace, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to them. Lord, it don't even have to be anything that I say. The Holy Spirit can draw them and deal with them. And I ask you to save their soul tonight from a devil's hell. Lord, I pray you'll help us these next few moments now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on the Bible in your home. The Bible in your home. You know, when you come to this text, as we mentioned this morning, that uh, Moses gives three principles for a godly home. In verse number uh, four, he gives the the re- revelation of uh, in the uh, in this text here is in the re- a great revelation, should I say, and that is that there is one Lord, and and we thank God for that great revelation that we don't serve many gods, but that we serve one God, Amen. And then there is a great uh, uh, response, and that is one love, as he said in verse five, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God. God with all thine heart. You know, God wants wholehearted service and wholehearted love. Amen. And so the great revelation is one Lord. And the great response is that it's just one love. That we love Him like we love no other. And then the great responsibility in verse number 6 here is, as He said, and these words which I command thee this day. And that is one law. That we have the Word of God. And I want to stop and just say this. I, I didn't mention it this morning, but I do want to mention it tonight that uh, that I'm thankful for the Bible. Amen. I'm thankful that we have a copy of the Word of God. Amen. Now. Uh, liberals this evening, uh, uh, they don't have a problem with inspiration. They'll tell you that uh, they believe that the Word of God was given and that the Word of God was inspired. But what they have a problem with is telling you that the Bible that you have in your lap right now is the inspired Word of God because they don't believe in preservation. I just want to stop and say this. If God is big enough to inspire His Word, then God is big enough to preserve His Word. Amen? And we either have a Bible or we don't 
have a Bible. Amen. We don't have a fraction of a Bible. Uh, listen, there's not many versions out there. Uh, I was listening to someone, don't know why, pray for me. Amen. I reckon the radio was just on and I was listening to someone uh, uh, just this afternoon as I was getting ready for church and uh, you know, he had some great thoughts if he just had the right book. Amen. I just was sitting there. He was just giving some good thoughts, uh, uh, but he had the wrong Bible. Amen. He would quote a verse and you know what my mind would do? Probably the same thing yours would. I'd say he got that verse wrong. Amen. Uh, because uh, uh, the Bible says this. It doesn't say that. Uh, I tell you, I'm thankful for this book. Amen. And these words, uh, don't you look at that verse there. He said, and these words, which I command thee this day. Aren't you thankful for these words right here? Amen. I'm telling you, listen, a Reader's Digest doesn't do anything for me. A Time Life magazine's not going to help me. Uh, uh, listen, in, uh, an Encyb- Encyclopedia Britannica's not going to do anything for the, me. Uh, but I tell you, there's something about these words. Amen. I, I got a lot of books in my library, uh, but you could take all of them, throw them away, and I could still survive. But I couldn't survive without these words. Amen. I tell you, these words has helped me through the hardest of times. Uh, uh, these words have picked me up when I was down and didn't think I could get up. Amen. Uh, uh, these words has carried me through the dark times of life. Uh, uh, these words has been there when I didn't have no words. Uh, these words has been food for my soul. Uh, uh, thank God it was been water when I was thirsty. Uh, these words have been manna when I've been hungry. I'm talking about these words. Uh, they're unlike any other words. Uh, they're the precious words of God. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful for these words tonight. And when you look at this text here, the emphasis in verse number 7 is very easy to see. The emphasis is on the Word of God in the home. Amen? You say, preacher, why is that so important? Well, the Bible in the home, I think, is more important tonight and it's more crucial tonight than it ever has been. There's a generation lost, amen, because we replace the family altar with a television. Somebody say it, man. We replace the family altar with modern technology and with the internet. Uh, uh, but I want to tell you, there's something. If you don't believe me, you go home and try. You go home and don't turn the TV on tonight. And you put a preaching tape in. You put a gospel singing, uh, listen, uh, a CD in. And you listen to it. Uh, and you see how quick the atmosphere of your home uh, will change. Amen. Uh, when you keep the world out and you keep God in, uh, it'll put an atmosphere of worship, an atmosphere of praise, uh, an atmosphere of peace uh, when the Bible is elevated in the home. Amen. I want to say tonight when we think about that, the power of the Word of God, even in this text, reveals what the Bible in the home, how it can change uh, people. You say, what do you mean? It has power to change the heart. Look what he said in verse number 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. I'll tell you, there's something about the Word of God getting in your heart. Isn't that right? The Bible said in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The heart is the secret place of a man's soul. Amen. Between that soul and that spirit right there is that little doorway where Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Amen. And can I tell you something? That heart, it, my friend, is the, is the seed of man. It's the center of man. And when the Word of God takes root in your heart, it'll stay there. It'll find the lodging place if you allow it to come in. 
and it'll make a difference in your life and the Word of God in your heart. And then he talks about the Word of God in your hand. Look what he said in verse number 7. He said here, verse number 8, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. Amen. The Word of God in your hand makes a difference. You know what them Jews would do? They would take the Word of God and with little leather straps, they would take and put boxes on their wrists and they would put the shema of the Word of God down in them boxes there. Then Brother Samuel was talking about that today. And you know what? They would literally wear the Word of God in their hands. When they would look down, when they would do something, the Word of God was before them. You know why? Because they wanted to be reminded that everything that these hands did, they wanted to be controlled by the Word of God. You remember that little old song, Be Careful Little Eyes What You See? Be Careful Little Feet Where You Go? Be Careful Little Hands What You Do? I'm telling you, the Word of God ought to guide our hands. Amen. The Word of God has power to change our hands. That's the things that we do. And then what about the Word of God in the head? Look at verse number 8 again. He said, And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. They would take those same little boxes uh, and they would put the Word of God in those boxes, those, those commandments they would put there and they would put it, literally would tie around, have that box there on their forehead and it was between their eyes. Uh, they could see the Word of God was before them. In other words, they were simply saying this. They didn't want to do anything uh, with uh, with their hands that wasn't, wasn't controlled by the Word of God. They didn't want to think anything. They didn't want anything coming into their mind. Uh, my friend, without it being controlled by the Word of God. I'm not saying that was necessary to do that, but I'll tell you, listen, what what is necessary is what Peter said when he said, gird up the loins of your mind. Amen. I'm telling you, put the Word of God in your heart, but put the Word of God in your your mind. Amen. Memorize, meditate, read the Word of God, study the Word of God, know your Bible, have your family know the Word of God. It'll change the way that you think. Amen. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You want your children to think right and steal the Word of God in them. Start when they're young. Keep it all the days of their life. And in this text, it's talking about the Word of God in our hearts, the Word of God uh, in our on our hands, the Word of God on our heads. But look at verse number 9. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, of thy gates. The Word of God in the home. The Word of God is so important in the home. Tonight, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. And I'm not scolding or putting anyone on a guilt trip tonight. I just simply want to preach this because it's of great importance. The Bible is the most important thing that you can put in your home tonight. It's not enough to to have a copy of it. I would dare say that everyone in this building has more than probably one copy of the Word of God in our homes. But having it on a shelf or a coffee table or displaying it somewhere in the house uh, may be a good reminder. I think it could be a good thing, but it's not doing any good if it's not picked up and it's not used. Amen. You and I cannot afford to let uh, the things of this world rob our prayer time and our Bible reading. A busy schedule and a busy day, a wore out, tired body is not a good enough excuse uh, uh, to hinder us, uh, uh, my friend, or to keep us from the Word of God. You say, preacher, don't you get tired? I get tired like everybody else. Uh, Hey, I've fallen asleep, and I'm sure you have too, reading the Bible. And you know what? I used to feel real guilty about that. Uh, But you know what? I realized something. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Amen. 
I, I shudder to tell this, but it happened the other day, and I'll tell you, not because I'm spiritual, because it's funny. I went into my office the other day, and I shut the door, and I thought, well, I'm going to pray. It's four, it's four o'clock. I remember looking, I thought, it's four o'clock. I'm going to pray a few minutes before I get ready to go to church. It was, I think it was last Sunday or Sunday before last. And I had this one little chair that I pray in there, and I got down, and had uh, Brother Terry, I started praying. And I was just a little bit tired, you know. And I started praying. And you know what? I woke up. I don't think I said ten words. I don't know what I said. I hope it made sense. You know what woke me up? My my legs were numb. <laughs> Not because I'd been praying a long time. I looked down at my phone, was laying there, and it was 4.35. The best sleep I ever got was on my knees. Now listen, that's not a, that's not a spiritual story because I didn't say hardly anything. I mean, I just went right off to sleep and, and my legs was numb. I mean, I had a hard time. I started getting up like I was 90 years old, you know. I, I was so ashamed. I had my wife come in there and she said, and she said, what you been doing? I said, you don't even want to know. Amen. Because I, I hadn't been praying, but I got some good sleep. I'm telling you, the flesh gets weary is what I'm saying. And you know what? You can watch a ball game or anything else and that flesh will just enjoy every second that. But open your Bible and start reading. Or get on your knees and start trying to pray. And the flesh will tell you there's a thousand other things you may need to be doing that you're letting go. Or the flesh will say, well, you know this, you don't you don't have time to do all this. You know what it's trying to do? It don't like that, that, that Word of God. It don't like that time spent in prayer. But the Bible is important in all of our lives. I'm not telling you I pray like I should or that I read like I should, but I, I try to by the grace of God. And I, 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 I fall short. I think we all would be honest with that. But here in this text, Moses gives them uh, some very important reasons why uh, the Word of God should be prominent in the home. But more importantly, let me just say this. Moses tells them in verse 7 how to teach their children the Bible in the home. Let me mention them to you and I'll be done. Number one, he tells them here to teach them uh, in verse number 6 rather than verse 7, to teach them convincingly. He said, These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. He tells them, If you're going to teach your children, first thing is you've got to believe it yourself. Before you can ever teach somebody, you've got to believe it. You've got to believe the, the principles of the Word of God. You've got to believe in Bible separation if you're going to teach it to your children. Is that right? You say, well, preacher, why is that so important? Because what you teach may one day be tested. Friend, your children need to know that, that you believe the Bible and that you believe all the Bible, that you believe the principles of the Bible. It's got to be in your heart before it'll ever get in their heart. And you see, teaching your children is not sitting them down and instilling it in their mind because it's not going to work that way. Their mind is not just a computer chip that you can just fill it full of facts uh, and then like a robot, they're going to go out and start doing. No, listen, you've got to teach them. You've got to tell them. But more importantly... They've got to see it in your life. They've got to know 
that, hey, it's real to mom and dad. And if they know it's real to you, then guess what? It'll be real to them. I think too many times the mistake has been made that if I just take my children to church, if I take them to Sunday school, if they hear good teaching and they hear good preaching, then they're going to turn out okay. But can I tell you, it's what they see in you that, that really convinces them that the Bible is real. And listen, the reality of the Word of God in the life of mom and dad is what really gets a hold and influences the life of those children. Brother, I'll tell you the problem today in our churches. Is, and we've got a lot of great families, and I thank God for the families of our church. I thank God for the moms and dads that are raising their children the old-time way. And I think you'll agree with the statement I'm going to make, but the problem in a lot of our churches today is that we can't get mom and dad surrendered. We can't get mom and dad to sell out. It's not... We, we preach against video games, and by all means, we should. But I'm afraid cell phones in the hands of parents has become a, every bit as much of a dangerous thing as it is to the young people, the video games. Today, it's shocking how much time parents will spend on their cell phones when there's so many other things that you could be doing of value watching and listening to things that will not matter in eternity. I'm telling you, it's hypocritical to tell your young person, well, you, you need to go outside and play. You, you don't need to be on that video game for, for those hours, but then you sit there uh, on the couch with your phone in your hand for an hour at a time and, and look at a bunch of nonsense or things that don't even matter or scroll everybody's Facebook or social media and, and nose around and, and finding out what they're doing that really doesn't matter, amen? Something that would be more productive, that, that would make a difference. Uh, you say, well, preacher, it's just my leisure time. Uh, I'm telling your children, need to see, uh, listen, that you have a hunger for the Bible. They need to see you read the Bible, not read a cell phone. Can I get a witness right there? They need to see you open that Bible and have a personal devotion time. Uh, I'm not talking about showcasing something. But I'm just talking about it being real. Amen. Uh, hey, that's what people used to do and that's what some people are still doing, thank God. Uh, I'm talking about if you're going to teach them, you're going to have to convince them that what you're telling them from the Word of God is not just to be real to them, but it's real to you. Teach them those principles. When they falter, don't change with them. Pray they don't falter. But don't give in because you see them. You know, young people are like this. They're going to struggle. I don't care how, how godly of a home you have. I don't care how much you raise them in a good church. They will struggle. To what degree? I mean, I don't have no clue of what degree, but they're going to struggle. The best families in any church have struggling teenagers. What helps them through struggling times is when they have parents that never move one inch. They keep saying the same thing that's always been said. Teach them convincingly. Then I want to say this, teach them consistently. Look what the Bible says here. He said, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. It doesn't mean just teach them the Ten Commandments 
But Moses said, teach them the principle of each commandment diligently. Teach them over and over and over. Keep putting it in their heart. Keep putting it in their life. Uh, hey, they would they would say these things, at least these commandments at least twice a day. It was important from the time that they were able to start speaking. They would begin to immediately start instilling these commandments in their life. It, it's so important that we be consistent as parents. Uh, hey, the things that we teach them, we have to carry on. Do your best. Diligence means to, to Give your best to it. Give your utmost best to teaching the Word of God. Don't put it on the, the preacher's shoulders. Don't put it on the, uh, the Sunday school teacher's shoulders. As I said this morning, all we're really doing is reinforcing. But the foundation comes from the home. The teaching of the Bible is to be in the home. Hey, that's a responsibility tonight to be consistent. That means that there has to be time made to teach them these things. You have to have a set time. Just like you have a set time to go to work, you have, have, you have to have a set time to teach the Bible. You might say, well, my, my children wouldn't know how to adapt to that. You've got to start somewhere. I'm telling you, for their good, teach them consistently. Teach them that when they're growing up and they're small, before bedtime, teach them the Word of God. Let it be the last thing on their mind. Amen. Read them a story. Tell them a story out of the Bible. Amen. Give them a verse of Scripture as they're, as they're, uh, as they're coming up during adolescence, when they become a, a teenager. Uh, listen, buy them a study Bible. Uh, buy them a devotional book. Teach them to have a personal devotion. Buy them, buy them a journal a book and, and, and tell them to, to write in that journal and tell them you're going to read that journal. Amen. Uh, so that it's not, it's not private. It's between you and them, and them and God. You know what? It can be a positive, not a negative. Encourage them. And when you read something that's good, uh, then encourage them in that. I'm just simply saying, uh, you say, well, preacher, that's simple. I know. But it's ta- I'm talking about being consistent. They, When they walk out the doors of your home, the greatest thing you can leave with them is to cultivate it and help them to cultivate a personal relationship with God. If they can carry that out the door and it be real to them, and it be consistent in their life. Hey, they can make it through whatever they face in life. If they know how to get a hold of God for themselves, and they know how to have a relationship with God, but it's got to be consistent in our life. Mom and Dad, if we don't have it, they won't. They'll struggle all through their marital years, and they'll struggle in their own home, and the problems can even get worse if we don't teach them that. That relationship is so important. Teach it consistently. Teach it convincingly. Then I want to say teach it conversationally. Look what he said in verse number 7. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. I think one of the greatest times you'll ever have is with your family talking about the Word of God. Sitting around the house talking about the Bible. That's so foreign in a lot of places today. But it's so necessary. Having a spiritual conversation with your spouse. I'll tell you, if you'll do that, you won't fight somebody say amen. Is that right? It's hard, it's hard to argue when you're talking about the Bible, unless you're arguing over the Bible. <laughs> Don't do that. But you ought to have a spiritual con. You, you say, well, how do you have a spiritual con? It goes something like this. You know, I was reading something this morning. Let me tell you what I was reading. My wife told me something the other day. I said, you know, that's a great preaching thought. I said, don't tell nobody that. I may preach that down the road. Have a conversation. 
I was reading this in my devotional and the Lord spoke to me. Have that kind of conversation with your spouse. Uh, God showed me something in my Bible reading time. Uh, hey, it enriches the relationship is what I'm saying. It puts it on a different level. It puts a love one toward You know, the Word of God, just like the Word of God draws us together, the Word of God draws them, them spouses together. You say, well, maybe they don't want to talk about the Bible. They may not want to, but somebody's got to start somewhere. So, and so you take up the responsibility. You start cultivating it. If they're saved, uh, it'll get a hold of them and you can have an influence on them. Uh, hey, rather than sitting around and talking about all the negatives in life. Uh, well, did you notice what I saw on the news today? Uh, hey, if you're talking about the news, I promise you it's not good. Amen. It's depressing. Isn't that right? But when you talk about the news from the Word of God, uh, it'll lift up. It'll encourage. Uh, it'll strengthen one another. Hey, talk to your children about the Word of God. Remind them of things. You know, son, the Bible says this. You know, daughter, the Word of God says this. Talk to your children and ask them questions. What did you read in your devotion today? What did you get out of your personal time? Oh, listen, how important that is. That the Bible's in the, in the home. It's more important than talking about cars and, and baseball and football and Hunting and fishing and and I don't know what 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 girls talk about. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think any man knows what women and girls talk about. Really, to be honest, and we don't really want to. But whatever it is, uh, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with talking about them things. Uh, but I tell you, the topic of the conversation around the table ought to be God and how good He's been. You say, preacher, why is it so important? You don't know the influence what you're building in their life uh, day by day, moment by moment is so important. You know why companies spend millions, millions of dollars for a few seconds of a commercial between the, the Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday? You know why they, they spend millions of dollars for just a few seconds? Here's why. They know that it has a great influence and they know that it makes a difference. I'm going to tell you the Word of God has more influence than any invert, any advertisement that man could ever put out. That conversation with that that daughter or that son may be the very turning point. It may not be that day in their life, but it may be the very thing that God brings back to them. You know, my father said this one day. I remember my mother talking to me about this one day. I'll tell you tonight, if you stop and think about it, how many times in all of our life did God send somebody by to just simply say a word to us from the Word of God and it had such an impact, it had such an influence on our life that it was a pivotal point. We could all testify to that. Amen. I'm telling you, if that's true in our life about God using outsiders, how much more true is it when God uses a mom or a dad, even in a husband and a wife relationship? I'm talking about a conversation. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, it ought to minister grace unto the hearers. Keeps the conversation positive rather than negative. And then last, we ought to teach the Bible in the home creatively. Look what he said here. He said, when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. You know what he's saying there? At every opportunity you have, talk about these commandments. 
at every when you're walking by the way, talk about it. You know, son, you know why the Bible says thou shalt have no other gods before me? You know why the Bible says thou shalt not bear false witness? Talk about it by the way. When you lie down at night, before you pillow your head, read the commandments of the Word of God. I'm telling you, you'll sleep better reading the Bible. When you rise up in the morning time, there's just something about them morning hours, isn't there? Oh, when you take the Bible and you read it, it's, your mind is fresh, and the day is fresh, and it's not busy. I'll tell you, if you get up, most of us probably get up before dark. Amen. But get up while it's still a little bit dark outside and while uh, there's not a whole lot of activity going on before you go to work and take the Bible and just read a passage. You'll be amazed when you rise up and you read the Word of God how it'll fit your soul for that day. You'll be amazed at how systematic reading of the Bible. Sometimes I I was reading uh, just the other day, I was reading through Numbers and uh, I sure was glad Scorby was reading and I was following along. Because I'm telling you, it was... Three chapters of nothing but peanut butter and jelly to me. I'm telling you, names. I mean that I, I I wasn't even sure if he had it right. I just listened and let him read. I was following along and going down through there, and this is what my flesh said. Well, I ain't getting nothing out of this, but I'm gonna read it anyway. You ever said that to yourself? I'm not getting nothing out of this, but it's the Bible. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And he's reading down through there and come to one one little bitty phrase in a verse that grabbed a hold of me. I'm going to tell you something. All day long that phrase grabbed a hold of my heart. That's the power of the Word of God. In, a bit, in, in the middle of a whole bunch of names that I'm telling you that probably couldn't hardly any of us uh, uh, pronounce. I mean, I'm talking about, uh, uh, listen, just name after name after name uh, as God is dividing the land and dividing the tribes out there. Just name after name. But then there's that one phrase. God said, you needed that. It's the power of God's Word. And tonight, every opportunity we have, when you go home at night, This gets us in a lot of trouble. I'm not fussing. I'm just preaching. Gets us in a lot of trouble today. But I really do believe one of the greatest problems in our home today is the television. I believe that. It's so wicked today. There's so much filth. I'm telling you in profanity and only God knows what's on it now. I mean, the, the influence that Hollywood has on these, the young people today. Anything that they want young people to be, they pump it through the airwaves. I'm telling you, if they started putting on something, and I don't even know what's on half the mess anymore. But if they started shaving one side of their head tonight, there'd be young people all across this nation would start shaving one side of their head. I tell you tonight, the influence of Hollywood will leave you wrecked and ruined. It's nothing more than a facade. 
Hollywood wants to portray everybody is the right figure. Everybody drives the right, the, the most expensive vehicle. They live in the nicest house. They, they don't have any bills and they have all kinds of everything just looks picture perfect. And that's the society that we, that people try to live in today. You never notice people on social media, how that they'll fake pictures. Y'all ever seen that? You know they don't look that good every day. Come on now. They'll do something to their... I told my wife, I said, that's not real. You know they got to have a blemish somewhere on their face. Amen. Come on now. And they'll, they'll, they'll take... They'll, they'll get that picture just perfect. It's fake. I want to tell you tonight, Hollywood is fake. The influence of it. Sitcoms. I don't know what's on sitcoms anymore. Don't want to know. But it has great influence. And if I had children, and when our children were coming home, coming up, I kept them away from that. But she kept them away from it more than I did. Because they were with her more. We kept them away from that mess. I didn't want it to get, they see enough just going to Walmart. Is that right? Standing in the line, paying for food. You got to turn. You can't even look at a magazine rack, and they got it so plastered there. The influence is so strong. The pull is so strong. That's the negative side, but the positive side is that book has a strong pull to it. The more that you show them, and the less of this of that out there you show them, the more influence it has in their life. Amen. And young people, my advice to you is this: turn the world off. Amen. Turn off their music. Turn off their fashion. Who cares what their fashion is? Amen. I'm glad none of y'all have them weed eater haircuts tonight. Isn't that a blessing? You know what I'm talking about? Where your back of your hair is going this way and the sides of it going. It looks like you put your finger in a light socket. Amen. Don't you, doesn't that look good? Amen. I'm glad y'all don't have your hair all chopped off. Amen. And different colors. Amen. Look like a... Look, I don't even say that's right. She looks plum scared to death right now. I'm glad you got a ponytail. Amen. That's right. But you know, the world will look at this crowd tonight and say, oh, y'all need to catch up with the times. But look at them tonight. I'm not making fun of them when I say this. I pray that they get saved. Don't you thank God your body's not all inked up tonight? Amen. But I'm telling you, they, you see, oh boy, he's got a battleship right here. It's going to be sunken in about 50 years. <laughs> Is that right? Them roses are going to fade one day. What's these people going to look like when they're 80 years old? And they're all inked up. Now, God will save them. But I'm preaching to a crowd that hasn't been. Thank God you hadn't been there. Thank God you don't have metal all, all in your body. Amen. That's right. I, I, I'm not being critical. I'm just telling you, God saved you from. It's like Brother Barnes used to shout, getting saved out of. Hey, y'all can shout that you've never been there. You can shout that God saved you from all that mess. 
I'm going to tell you something. I, I come from a drunkard's home, but God saved me from all that mess. Uh, I never had to, I never drank alcohol or smoked or I, just like many of y'all wasn't raised in a Christian home, but I'll tell you this much. God got me before the devil got a hold of me real good. Uh, and I praise God for that. Amen. I got no desire to ever have that testimony. Uh, I'm glad there's mercy and grace for those who have. Uh, but hey, let's praise those who haven't. Amen. Uh, let's thank God for those that hadn't went that way. Uh, hey, you ought to lift your hand up and say, thank you, God. I don't bear the scars and I don't bear the, the marks. Amen. That this world, they didn't get their hands on me. Hallelujah. Thank God. There's Bibles in your home tonight. While you're young, read all you can. Memorize all you can. Learn all you can while you're young. Read. Read the Word of God. Know it. Amen. Have a personal walk with God as we stand tonight.